Hello and welcome to Women on the Line, a national women's current affairs program providing a gender analysis of contemporary issues from Australia and internationally. I'm Giselle Hanna. On today's program, we broadcast some excerpts from Feminism in the Pub. Feminism in the Pub is a conversation series hosted by Victoria Trades Hall Council's women's team. They go by the name We Are Union Women. The topic, Sexism at Work, was the second in the series and was held on the evening of Wednesday the 17th of May. Jodie Peskett is one of Trades Hall's women's organisers and she introduces the panel and the event. Tonight's discussion is part of a broader campaign that We Are Union Women is running called Stop Gendered Violence at Work. And that ca- um, basically through our research, we f- uh, found that 64% of working women in Victoria have experienced uh, sexism, sexual harassment or violence at work, which is massive, right? 64%. And that's only through our initial conversations. We know that number is probably a lot higher. So we decided that um, because this is what women were telling us they're experiencing and what was important to them, we uh, put together the campaign Stop Gendered Violence at Work. And basically that campaign's all about sexism and discrimination at work and we're calling all forms of sexism and discrimination at work, we're calling that gendered violence at work. So on that list we're including everything from the blonde joke in the lunchroom right through to being spoken over at meetings, which I'm lot, sure a lot of women in the room nodding their heads going yes, <laughs> uh, right through to the more um, extreme forms of sexual assault and sexual harassment at work. So basically we decide that all comes under gendered violence at work and um, that's kind of what we're going to be having a conversation about tonight. And we've got a fabulous panellist who are going to speak to that, which I'll introduce in a minute. And the other happy coincidence is that, that it's Ida Hobbit Day. It's the International Day Against Homophobia, Biphobia and Transphobia. And we know in our definition of gendered violence at work, we don't only include violence against women, we also acknowledge that people who don't conform to normative gender identities or or have diverse sexualities also experience a lot of gendered violence at work. And so it's really really wonderful that today we can have this conversation and um, think about those issues and how it affects the LGBTQI plus community. I will introduce our wonderful panel. So Sally McManus was appointed the Secretary of the ACTU in March 2017. She was previously the Vice President directing the ACTU's campaigns team. Uh, Prior to joining the ACTU, Sally was the Branch Secretary and an organiser with the ASU in New South Wales and the ACT for 22 years. So she has a little bit of experience. During Sally's time as ACTU Secretary, their membership grew from 9,500 to 12,000 members, which is phenomenal. Um, She's led many successful campaigns in the private, public and community sectors, including, as Will mentioned a couple, but including a campaign preventing water privatisation and the Equal Pay Campaign for Community and Disability Workers, which delivered between an 18 and 40% pay increases. And my next esteemed guest is Sally Goldner. Sally is the Executive Director of Transgender Victoria and the Treasurer of Bisexual Alliance Victoria. Sally Goldner's 19 years involvement in Victoria's LGBTQ communities includes Transgender Victoria, of which she's now the Director, Co-Facilitator of Trans Family, Presenter of three CRs out of the plan 
and Bisexual Alliance Victoria. So she does a few things, not many. Uh, she's a life member of four organisations, the, L- the 2015 LGBTI Victorian of the Year and she joined the Victorian Women's Honour Roll in 2016. And my next panellist is Kate Pern. Kate is a nurse, a DJ and an activist, so she has a few jobs as well. Um, as a safety and inclusivity coordinator for Cool Room, she strives to prevent sexual assault and harassment in nightclubs and have a greater representation of women, people of colour and LGBTQ plus people in music. And my final panellist hiding in the corner is Steph Dowling. Steph is a law student at Deakin University with a special interest in human rights and gender equality. Having previously commenced her degree at Murdoch University in Perth in 2008, where she lived on campus, Steph's experiences of violence on campus and the systems that perpetuate it led to the start of her journey into activism. Tonight, Steph hopes to provide insight and experience into gendered violence on campus and how campus environments can shape future workplace environments. Round of applause for Steph. Okay, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to kick off and I'm going to uh, address the first question to the panellists. What is sexism at work? What does it look like? And can you share with us your first experience of sexism at work? Can I start with you, Sally? Hey, everyone. I want to pay my respects to the traditional owners of the land. Okay, so what's sexism at work? So there's all the obvious things which I'm not going to go into because we'll get to talk about. So the economic uh, inequalities between um, genders, that's the most um, obvious and big one. Of course, there's the, um, all the different forms of violence that was talked about before. But um, I wanted to mention something slightly different. Um, how men will underestimate us and how this can be both a um, something that can hold us back if we internalise it but something that can be a strength if we use it to our advantage. I've found over the years, over and over, being in rooms with people where um, men will tend to assume the women in the room uh, aren't as smart as them, aren't as capable as them, aren't as able to do do things. And that manifests itself in lots and lots of ways. I've seen women deal with it in different ways as well. Some women just take it on as, okay, it must be true. I mustn't know as much as person X, Y or Z, or bloke X, Y, Z. Um, I've seen um, situations where women have used it in really smart ways, sort of like, you know, ambushing them because they underestimate us letting them underestimate us and then totally outmaneuvering them. So I've, I've been quite impressed um, about that. But the main thing I wanted to say is that the dangers of letting that um, get to you, like in your head, and then you start thinking to yourself, well, maybe I'm not as smart as them. Maybe I'm not as capable as them. So my advice to everyone about that is this. Pick the bloke in that room that you know, you absolutely know that you're smarter just as smart, just as capable, et cetera, et cetera. Watch that bloke. Watch how he's totally confident speaking. Watch how everyone shuts up when he speaks. Watch all of that happen and remind yourself, I'm just as smart, just as capable, if not more than him. If he can do it, I certainly can. So I find that's um, uh, a little technique I've used over the years that uh, has certainly um, meant that you've had uh, more confidence and you've avoided internalising it as much as you can. But um, the question you asked about um, my personal experience about uh, sexism at work, my first personal experience, there's been many of them, but you asked my first one. And in a way, it's sort of a minor thing in some ways, but... um, 
one of my first jobs, I was a Pizza Hut deliverer. And um, before becoming a, a Melbourne girl, I was a Sydney girl. And so um, I worked out in Seven Hills, if anyone knows where that is. And it was uh, ages ago. It was like 1990. And Bloody Pizza Hut had these terrible... Um, uh, uniforms you had to wear and women had to wear these like wrap around grey things right that things they were they like went from here down to here and they were just like this wrap around grey thing now I don't care about fashion I don't care about it at all I do sort of care about dresses and having to wear those but um, <laughs> it was like there was no choice but this like terrible uh, grey thing you had to wear um, which in the end like a minor thing but demeaning and actually quite dangerous because um, delivering pieces at Seven Hills at night sometimes is very dangerous. And so um, my first experience of sexism at work. Thank you. Uh, I, I too would also like to acknowledge our original inhabitants and pay respects to elders past, present and emerging. And given that it is International Day Against Homophobia, Biphobia, Transphobia, I would very much like to acknowledge our lesbian, gay, bi, trans, intersex and queer original inhabitants, including sister girls and brother boys, and acknowledge their... <laughs> and acknowledge their special contributions to diversity on and around the land. My first experience of sexism at work, and I'm just going to stretch the boundaries beyond paid work a bit because of volunteering in the LGBTIQ communities. Unfortunately, even though we face many similar issues amongst those groups, at times we don't play very nicely together and we have to face the reality that there are some elements of gay males who are um, prejudiced against females, whether we call that sexism, chauvinism, misogynism, um, you know, which to me is hair-splitting anyway. And probably that was my first experience where in some, I'll just say some negotiations, all of a sudden this particular gay male started um, shouting at me and trying to um, coerce me into making statements, which to me is a form of misuse of male power. And so it is an issue that sometimes people don't think about because we have stereotypes in our society, which I think are shifting, but they've probably got some deep roots of gay males being effeminate and all that sort of thing. Well, some are, not all of them are. And so that was a real shock. Here I was, I thought I was in this safe rainbow place and, well, it was, uh, had some jagged, the rainbow had some jagged edges and that was a real shock to the system. And there have been other experiences around things as well but um, that was the first one. And so it can be a reminder that it comes up, I suppose, in work in very unexpected and sort of out of the blue sort of ways. Um, I too would like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land and acknowledge that um, this event takes place on stolen land. <clears throat> um, what is sexism at work? <laughs> sexism at work is um, a female DJ having to prove herself to security to be allowed backstage because they don't believe that she could possibly play, be playing that night because she's a woman. Sexism at work is having to put up with constant sexual come-ons, comments about your body, um, groping, touching every day as part of your job. Sexism at work is not being able to seek help from the people that are hired to protect you and um, upkeep the security of your workplace. Um, I'm speaking there from the point of view of um, work I've done as a, well, as a DJ and also just in working in live music venues. 
But I guess my first experience of sexism would be as a nurse, as a graduate nurse, just constantly putting up with being sexualised by my male patients. Sexism at work, to me, um, is so broad. It covers so many things. It can be anything from being patronised or spoken over to being physically assaulted. And it's, it really is all-encompassing. As Jody said, I'm going to be speaking from a perspective of kind of universities as a workplace, even for students, and also as a place that shapes future workplaces uh, with the attitudes that people, both women and men, learn in universities and then carry forward with them into their careers. Um, one of my first experiences of sexism would be moving on campus as a teenager and within a few days being assaulted. And also I think it's very important to acknowledge that sexism at work um, involves, you know, that's the far end, but when we laugh off the crude jokes and the comments and the inappropriate behaviour, that's the culture that sets up uh, a dangerous situation and that's why every single step of the way needs to be taken seriously. Thanks for sharing your experiences and I think it's really wonderful that we've got a whole range of perspectives here and I think there was a couple of really good points made. Um, First of all, uh, Sally, uh, I think we should definitely, I, I know in the women's team, in the movement, we include unpaid workers' work. So we say that we are all about working women and we include paid work, unpaid labour in the home, volunteer work. It's all work. So I think absolutely it's important that we include those um, experiences and those spaces in these conversations. Absolutely. The next question I want to put to the panellists is, do you think that sexism at work is an important or significant issue? And if so, what is its impact? Um, I want to talk about equal pay and the fact that the gender pay gap hasn't moved really at all for a quarter of a century. So a long time, at least a generation. And you wonder about why is that? Why hasn't it moved? Well, the first fights for equal pay were about, of course, the fight to be paid the same for exactly the same work. Um, and because enshrined in our laws were two different pay rates, one for men and one for women. Can you believe that we had that? Um, and, of course, unionists and uh, other people fought very hard to change that situation. So to unpack why we still have this persistent 18% uh, 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 a gap, you've got to think about a, a few things. There's the things that we know, and that's the fact that still um, women are the people who take the time out to look after children, and the fact that we don't have um, proper pay parental leave that, that, that fills that gap as well. But there's still more to the story, isn't it? And it's the fact that some work in our society we've valued more than others. And so you look at, uh, say, someone who is a mechanic and fixes cars, they're going to be paid more than someone who is an early childhood educator. And you think about how crazy that is. Like, um, not that cars aren't important, but they're certainly not as important as, as, as children and young people in the next generation. And so you think, well, okay, well, well, how come that's happened? Well, it's been because uh, society has relied on us to do things for free for a very, very long time. And so an ingrained idea that, well, 
women are the carers anyway. They've been looking after children for free. They look after people with disabilities for free. They look after the elderly for free. And you look about how that then translates to how we value it in the workplace. So disability support workers, early childhood educators and aged care workers, all of them are caring um, professions, aren't they? And because it's a caring profession and because we live in a patriarchy, we don't value caring as much as we value fixing stuff. And so... How do we fix that problem? That's a hard, hard, you know, thing to answer. It's going to take a lot of struggle. I took some inspiration from um, the women in Iceland who um, who just decided, well, that's it. We're going on strike, and they all did um, for equal pay. So yeah, um, numerous impacts, and I mean. Putting in a few more personal examples, before I started doing more queer diversity training and things like this, my original line of work was accounting, which no matter what anyone says is still, I'll say, a male and or masculine dominated profession. And although I've moved in sort of the last 15 years as I've been doing that more to the community sector, it's sometimes where people come in from outside and they don't really understand the values of a community not-for-profit organisation that they don't get it. And unfortunately, auditors, um, the bane of probably many an accountants' existence, and often they're very corporate, they come in, they don't really respect the community sector in any way at all. And so there can, you know, I, um, as someone who is a qualified accountant, I've made some changes and this, well, um, male-identified auditors came, started in coming going, well, in a very mansplaining, patronising tone of voice, well, you know, the implications of that will be such and such. And I go, yes, I'm a fully qualified accountant of 30 years. Oh, don't get angry at me, you know, that sort of stuff. <laughs> don't you love that? Nice and demeaning. Um, to follow on from the LGBTI community scenario, um, early in my community involvement, um, a few of us in a particular... Well, um, community organisation were concerned about the direction it was taking, particularly due to one high-ranking employee who was, well, interestingly, in the community sector, had achieved the corporate sociopath label. So about t- 12 of us got together and I was the... 11 of them were, to be precise, cisgender gay men. I was the only trans and bi woman, the only person other than that. And one of the people there says, the problem with so-and-so is he surrounds himself with weak lesbians. <laughs> And, it's, and I'm sort of, he looked at me and go, I don't, mean, I don't mean you, Sally. And I said, that's not the point. Do you realise what you've said? So you have to, you have to call it out a bit. Um, but also that's by erasure, which is something else again. So it's demeaning and it's invisibilising, I suppose, would be another thing I'd add. But then putting it all in broader. If you can't change the culture, you're going to leave that organisation. So the organisation loses a good employee, including volunteer, But what about the broader implications for society of absenteeism, the cost of staff, turnover? Organisations, whether they're business, community, government, all lose because of this. And I suppose at that point, I'm just going to say I want to flip that over. I feel like saying, close your eyes, imagine you're in a green meadow. (laughs) But seriously, imagine if we didn't have sexism or homophobia, biphobia, transphobia, or racism, ableism. Imagine if we valued and celebrated diversity. How would every workplace, how would every society be? And think about the lost cost, the lost gains of great ideas when we have prejudice and discrimination. But if we didn't have it and we really valued everyone, we'd have um, global warming, racism, the whole, we'd have it all knocked over overnight and we'd have an amazing planet. So 
let's start thinking about the lost costs and the what we lose from discrimination as well as all those other costs as well. I think one of the impacts that um, Sally McManus already touched on, obviously, is uh, economic, um, but something that I would really like to see more light shed on is um, the economic impact of um, loss of students. Um, obviously, that's a great passion of mine, so sorry, I'm going to keep talking about it. <laughs> um, but, for example... Um, Myself, I dropped out of uni and started again five years later. That's five years of time just in my life where I could have, you know, instead of being a lawyer, I'm just working as, uh, you know, selling people beer and things, which no disrespect to that, but um, that's obviously had a huge economic impact on my life. And then you also have the hex debt twice. I've got Centrelink telling me that... um, you know, possibly I can't be supported until the end of my degree because I've already gone over the time that it's supposed to have taken me. So um, the impact of it in an economic sense is far greater than what we're, what you might ordinarily think, especially when you think of the fact that um, dropping out of study um, isn't... Uh, it affects the rest of your life, potentially. It affects the rest of your career. And, yes, you can go back, but, you know, that's a huge amount of lost income. Or, um, as I think has already previously been said, uh, it doesn't have, to, doesn't have to be a job that you've studied for. A lot of people just leave workplaces where they can't take the harassment or where they can't take the atmosphere. So... Um, Mental health and um, economic issues, I think, are a really huge impact from um, sexism at work. Thank you. So we have everyone spoken to their impacts, which I think to cover them off was economic, um, health-wise, the impact on the individual, um, both physical, psychological... Um, and also in your ability to contribute to society and be part of society. So the impacts are massive. Um, so now, so we've explored a little bit what sexism in the workplace looks like, and we'll do that a little bit later on as well, um, and its impact. But now I would like to ask the panel, uh, thinking back to your experiences of sexism at work, how do you deal with sexism at work and what are your strategies? And I also want the audience to think about this. How do you deal with sexism at work and what are some strategies that you've used or what are some strategies that you've seen used either by uh, your union or your employer in the workplace or other organisations? What are strategies that work when dealing with this? Well, my experience of sexism um, since I've become Secretary of the ACTU is different to the um, grey dress thing Um Now it's just on social media and it's daily. It's like, look, she's a ma- that's a man, um, ugly lesbian, where are your testicles, where's your penis, like on and on and on. So my way of dealing with that is really simple. I tell um, the staff at the ACTU I have anything to do with social media, just delete it get rid of it and I totally ignore it. I don't spend one single second of my time or my energy deconstructing it, thinking about it, giving it any time of day. (laughs) Then I have um, 
I have uh, one strategy which is personal to myself and so I, I'm not advocating this as a blueprint for everyone. This is you've got to do what suits you and who you are and, and how it works for you. Um, I take the piss. That's how I do it. So if I walk into a meeting and it's all men, I'll, I'll say, Jesus Christ, you know, you've, we've clearly done something wrong, haven't we, fellas? Like, you know, I, I'll do something like that. I'll always sort of turn it into a joke because in the end I want to have in the end, in their heads, oh, yeah, there is something wrong here, um, but at least leave them with that. That's just the way I deal with it. I'd go with um, Sally Goldner. Uh, depending on the situation, you know, I I don't mind making a joke about it. You know, I've had I've had men say things like at a work morning tea, oh, that's going to go straight to your hips, and I've said, yeah, that's what I'm hoping. <laughs> <laughs> And, um, you know, it catches them off guard as well. So, um, and I think it, it is good to, like, that's obviously not a, a serious incident, but it is good to just make people stop and think and go, oh, hey, maybe I don't have the right to question what you're putting in your mouth when you're at work or any time. When it comes to more serious things, I definitely would, would say that, um, you know, if you're up to reporting, if you're up to fighting against the structures, whether that be... Um, at work, with your union, at university, definitely do that. But at the same time, something that I'd really strongly advocate is self-care. If it's not going to be an easy thing, you are a priority. And um, especially if you're going up against something that they're going to push back at you the whole way. Like, yes, we need a movement to change things, but you as an individual needs to be okay at the end of this. So um, as has already been mentioned, there are great resources available um, and making sure that you're okay is always a priority. You are listening to a small excerpt of Feminism in the Pub on the topic of sexism at work. The event was hosted by Victoria Trades Hall Council's women's team, We Are Union Women. If you want to get in touch with them, go to unionwomen.org.au. A special thank you to Annie McLaughlin, the producer of the Stick Together show, who provided the audio for this week's show. And that's all we have time for on today's program. Women on the Line is produced in the Melbourne studios of Community Radio 3CR, with the financial assistance of the Community Broadcasting Foundation. The show is distributed nationally via the Community Radio Network with special thanks to the Community Broadcasting Association of Australia. If you want to get in touch with the producers of the show, you can write to us at womenontheline at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter or like our page on Facebook. If you want to hear this show again or any of our previous programs, you can download the podcast from 3CR's website. That's 3cr.org.au. Go to the Women on the Line page and follow the links to this week's show. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Giselle Hanna and I look forward to your company again next week.